0: Welcome to a special episode three of the AvTalk podcast from Flight Radar Twenty Four. I'm Ian Pechnik, and this is Jason Rabinowitz, and we are coming to you from inside the GoGo booth at the Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg, Germany. Jason, we flew in. You flew in on Sunday. Yeah, I left Saturday night, got in
1: Sunday afternoon. I flew Iceland Air on the way here
0: and connected through Reykjavik. Reykjavik,
1: as if I had a choice on Icelandair. Um, Air. <laughs> Flight out of JFK was on a 767 and then connected to a 757. Unfortunately, it was not Heckler Aurora, even though I requested it. So, hopefully, if they hear this on my return flight, wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
0: Special airplane, please. I flew SAS from Chicago to Copenhagen on the A340 in the Star Alliance special livery. Oh. So, I was perhaps the only person who had any idea that that was happening in the terminal. Robin uh, yeah. was pretty I'm excited have about to guess. it. So no one else really cared. And then connected on my first ATR flight. Oh, yeah. We don't uh, have ATRs in the US. I think only
1: FedEx operates them and maybe some of my way up in northern Canada and the Caribbean, but there is nobody operating those in the US.
0: No. And so, so I, I had my first chance at an ATR 72-600 from Copenhagen down to Hamburg. And I have to say the pilot didn't know what brakes were. It didn't have didn't have any concept of not applying full brakes or no brakes at all. We raced onto the runway from one of the high speed exits, and then as soon as we landed in in Hamburg, we slammed on the brakes. So other than that, the flight was great. Well, it's some of the fun of turbo props. Exactly, you can, get, you can get away with stuff like that. There you go. So today's Wednesday. The show began Monday with more of a conference attitude, and then Tuesday the the expo really began, and we've been walking probably. Two, three hundred kilometers a day. Oh a million miles, I think is the the conversion there. And so what have we seen?
1: Seen everything. So for a little background, aircraft interiors expo happens every year in Hamburg, Germany, in early April. And we basically see everything, like Ian said before, that goes in, on, near, next to an aircraft. We're talking about seats, entertainment systems, in-flight Wi-Fi systems, power. Plastic moldings, connectors, sidewalls, avionics, literally everything that goes inside an aircraft as the name aircraft interiors implies is here on display. And some of the stuff is mundane like springs and plastic moldings and cushioning and some of it is glitzy and bright like IFE
0: systems and all sorts of funky stuff here. So we've got new seats, new entertainment devices, connectivity, things like that. There have been a couple things that, that have come out that are pretty cool. And you, you were talking about a middle seat. Uh,
1: yeah. So w- one of the things we've been seeing is toying around with the standard width of seats. So typically, a uh, Boeing 737 will have like a 17 point something five or 17.4 inch wide seat. and A320 will have an 18 inch wide seat. But we're seeing a lot of playing around with seat width. ATR actually, you'll be happy to know Ian, just revealed a new seat with manufacturer, Gevin, where it actually increases the seat width from under 17 inches from like 16.7 all the way up to 18 inch wide seats, which is what you would find on a comfortable A320. They did that by like slimming down the sidewall, making the aisle a little less wide, and the armrests are kind of the size of a coin. But it's a lot of development has been around making seats more comfortable a lot of the manufacturers are making knee clearance a lot better. So even though they're pitched at 29 inches, which is pretty shallow, there's a lot more knee room. So
0: a 29 inch or even 28 inch pitch seat feels like an old
1: 31 inch seat.
0: So when we talk about pitch for anyone that doesn't know, we're talking about the distance between the seat backs. So from the seat back in front of you to your seat back. And we sat in the ATR seat yesterday. We did. And we went all the way down to 27 inches. I was told we were accidentally
1: seated below 27 inches, which is cruel and inhumane. But nobody is taking a seat like that. It's not certified for it. They actually have to modify the aircraft to meet exit requirements for emergency evacuations. But seats are getting a lot better engineered. Anyone who's flown, let's say, an intra-European flight, you know the seats are – very, very thin. There's not much padding, but manufacturers are thankfully seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and really improving the experience
0: on these lower cost seats. So, speaking of improved experiences, you had a chance to go out to the airport on Tuesday morning. I did. And Air Baltic and Bombardier brought in a brand new C Series CS300 for you to go and check out. And so, so I'd love to hear more about that. This was this particular aircraft's very first commercial
1: flight. YLCLC, I believe. This was actually its first tracked flight on Flight Radar Twenty Four. Not even the delivery flight showed up. I guess that's because they probably changed registration on day one or whatever.
0: Yeah. Once we have the MODAS hex code, we can add the marry the registration to the. So to this the this
1: was the very first commercial flight. There were by the time it landed at Hamburg, the aircraft overall had only had thirty flight hours on it. So it was. Beautiful, brand new, and the Bombardier really did a fantastic job designing the C Series cabin. It's a two by three layout, which you might find on one of the old Donald Douglas MD eighties or the DC9 series of aircraft. And the seats are super wide, like what we were just talking about. The standard seat width is something like over 18 inches. And the middle seat for the poor people who end up in the middle seat actually get a bit of a treat. It's like over 19 inches wide in the middle seat. It's the roomiest economy seat I've ever been in. And it's just kind of ironic because it seems like the shorter the plane's mission, the wider the seats these days. And the longer the plane flies, the more uncomfortable and tighter the seats
0: are, which doesn't make much sense, does it? So you say long flights. And what we also saw announced this week was Airbus is bringing back the 11 abreast A380 and they're also modifying the – is it front or rear of the front staircase or both staircases to take up less space so that operators can add additional seating into the aircraft. So the A380,
1: as much as I love it and people love it, is a product of a different era. The entryway has this grand staircase that leads up to the second floor. The back of the 380 has this spiral staircase, which probably nobody uses. Anyone going up to the top does so when they board. It's fun to see the spiral staircase, but it didn't do anything. So what Airbus has done to try to spur interest in it and to get some more airlines to buy the thing is remove those staircases and and not remove them, but replace them with more utilitarian staircases that don't look quite as grand. But by doing so, they add up to, I think, 80 seats on board the aircraft, which is pretty dramatic.
0: That's a, a pretty healthy increase in, in seating just for modifying a few staircases.
1: Yeah, but I don't want to ever be in the middle, middle seat of a 353 configuration. We've seen it before. It didn't go over so well, but it's back and there's no no airline has opted for it yet. There's no There might be interest in it, but nobody has taken that plunge yet. And I hope personally that nobody does.
0: Well, the, the five seats across in the middle is has
1: a history of... Two five two. It still yeah. flies out there today on American and United, and there are a few other, I think, Jin Air out in South Korea. Okay, it? but it was never that popular on this triple seven for obvious reasons. Nobody wants to be the middle in a middle.
0: So we also had the pleasure of, we'll call it, having lunch with an airline CEO. Though we were really just kind of standing in the same place at the same time, watching food be prepared.
1: Ah, uh, yes. So. One of the things I've been looking at for a few years has come from Lufthansa Technique where anyone who's been on a flight knows that the food isn't actually cooked on board. It's cooked in some warehouse 12 hours before your flight. It's trucked over to your flight and catered. And then they reheat it on board in some sort of steam oven. And by the time you actually get that food, your results may vary. It's usually not too great. But what Lufthansa Technique has done has modified an induction stove where they can actually take an off-the-shelf pan – and cook real food on board. They can take a raw steak and and cook it on board an aircraft. They can marinate it. They can saute things. They have a modifier to cook pasta on board with boiling water. There's another mod for it to be a toaster so you can actually get real toasted bread on a plane and not some sort of mushy thing that was actually toasted 12 hours ago. And as we were there, I was kind of looking forward to get, you know, an egg over easy cooked for me. An airline CEO walked up and one of my favorite outspoken CEOs, I have a bit of a history with, Akbar Al Baker from Qatar Airways was very interested in this product.
0: So we might see the Lufthansa Systems induction cooktop on… I mean, maybe it it makes total sense. It totally fits their high-class brand.
1: I mean, there are airlines today that have a chef on board, and I'm doing air quotes because they don't actually cook anything. They serve or prepare it because they can't cook. But now maybe if airlines pick this up, it'll be certified next year. I think maybe they actually can cook on board. But not everyone's looking forward to that. It'll make a lot more of a mess up in the galley and flight attendants will actually have to cook instead of simply reheating the prepared meals. So that's going to add a lot of complexity to any airline that actually opts for that. I'm not doing
0: the dishes. <laughs> well, I guess that leaves me to do the dishes mm-hmm. then, doesn't it? All right. Someone's got enough. to clean that pan. It's not going to be me. Well, well, hopefully that you know won't be either of us. Okay. We'll use cleaning as a segue. Okay. Speaking of cleaning. Yes. Planes are dirty.
1: Planes are dirty. Planes
0: are very dirty. But don't
1: look too hard because you'll be scared about
0: what you might find. Right. And so one company's come up with what I think is one of the best product names in a long while. But they've also come up with a pretty interesting product idea. They've taken a galley cart sized cart, installed UVC lamps on it, and called it the germ falcon. Yes. And so what this does is you walk it down the aisle with the UVC lamps on and the UVC lamps kill 99.99% of the harmful bacteria, viruses, and and all sorts of other nasty stuff that can make people sick while they're walking down the aisle.
1: Seven minutes to do an entire aircraft. They have an option to do it in two minutes at some lower rate, like 99.6%. Yeah. I mean –
0: He said said it was 99.9% to get it in two minutes, ninety nine point nine nine percent. Oh, an extra nine. If you if you go twelve minutes, you add another nine, I guess, to the thing. So the idea is that while planes are being refueled and reloaded and things like that, or if they're sitting overnight and there's more downtime thing. They'll be able to, to clean the planes. It turns out that through the research when we were talking with them, the shorter the flight, the cleaner the plane because nobody eats on an hour long flight nobody uses the lavatory on an hour long flight so yeah, it's I don't know if I totally buy that well I'm not no one but fewer people uh, get up to use the lavatory if you've ever
1: been on a Southwest flight that lasts 40 minutes you can see just how messy a plane can
0: get i think their sample size was more of a european intra-european flights but we'll we'll leave southwest for another day <laughs> so the idea is that you come down the aisle with this thing. It's got fans on the bottom so that it kicks up anything the that's Falcon on the floor The Falcon spreads to its wings it. and it kills some germs. It does. and Then it folds back into the cart and flight attendants can use it, maintenance personnel can use it, however the airline wants to do it. The main takeaway that we got was because we're at a trade show, you, you get something from everyone's booth when you walk away. and Most of the time you get a keychain, you get a pen, you get brochure or something like that. Germ Falcon gave us a Petri dish. And so, what we're going to do is on our flight home, I'm going to swab the. We'll ask you, what does everyone think the dirtiest part of the aircraft is? Tray table. Jason says tray table. So, it's not the tray table. Has to be. It's not the tray table. The dirtiest part of the aircraft is on top of the seat, the top of the seat. Because as people are going to their seat, as people are getting up from their seat, as people are walking down the aisle – I'm not
1: eating food off the
0: top of my seat though. I don't care about Everyone's grabbing the top of the seat. So that's the dirtiest part of the seat. So on my way home, on my flight from Copenhagen to Chicago, I'm going to swab the top of my seat and I'm going to culture that up. And we'll have – The results of the Petri dish. Oh, Lord. I can't wait for that update. (laughs) We'll have the results of the Petri dish a few days after the flight, and we'll put it up on the Flight Radar blog, and we'll go from there to see what we see. The other galley cart stuff that came out is there's a robot cart. A robot cart. I have not seen the robot cart yet, but I have heard much about the robot cart. One of the big buzzes of the show is the robot cart, and it is a galley cart that's a robot. Oh, they're here to take your jobs, flight attendants. Watch out for those. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna check that out soon. And the other interesting galley cart innovation is there's a company here marketing carbon fiber galley carts. So they looked at metal galley carts and said we can make those weigh twenty percent less if we build them out of carbon fiber. And so they did, and they're here, and they're pretty neat. Yeah. Yesterday at
1: the Crystal Cabin Awards, which is this annual prestigious award for innovations, one of the finalists was actually, I believe it was from Airbus. Though so don't quote me on that as I'm talking into a microphone that turns
0: into a podcast,
1: <laughs> was actually a cart that helps sort out things that are being thrown out or recycled. So instead of taking all your cans and plastic cups and tossing it into a bag, there's a slot for the cups, there's a slot for the cans or bottles and there's a little drainage thing where you can drain out whatever you don't drink and it makes recycling much easier instead of tossing everything into one bag and not actually recycling. So of all things, there's a lot of innovation coming out of carts. Yeah. There's also a beer keg cart. I know KLM has that actually flying. So yeah, I'm going to look out for that. Now there's innovation. Yes.
0: So I mean, there's some surprising places where, where we can innovate, galley carts. And you know, adding more seats but making them a little bit better engineered so that they're they're more comfortable or at least more tolerable and things like that. Is there anything else that you've seen that's just kind of wowed you, or you know, anything so, you want to see?
1: Entertainment systems and connectivity systems are kind of actually becoming good, which has been a bit of a revelation. If you've ever used in-flight Wi-Fi, you've probably been a bit frustrated by how much it costs or its speeds or whatever, if it just doesn't work up to snuff. But after years of talk from all the manufacturers, from GoGo to Inmarsat to whomever, they're actually starting to deliver and Wi-Fi has become usable, which is kind of a shock. I used in-flight Wi-Fi on Iceland Air on my way out here and it, it worked okay. But the newest generation of Wi-Fi that everybody is talking about now is you're capable of streaming or doing whatever you want with it. Entertainment systems at the same time, they're all going Android-based and they're all being – the screens are kind of huge these days. There are some airlines with 32-inch screens. Panasonic has a customer ready for a 4K screen. I don't even have that at home yet, nor can I even get 4K content. But there is an airline signed up and ready to take delivery of a 4K screen. Though you're probably thinking there isn't even HD content yet on board aircraft, but at least they're future-proofing. So they'll get HD maybe this year and they'll get 4K in a couple years, I guess.
0: That's something to to definitely look forward to. What else? There has to be more stuff. There has to be more stuff. It's a giant show. It is a giant show. Well, okay. What are we going to go do next?
1: What am I going to go do next? I have lots and lots of meetings. I'm meeting with Inmarsat in a bit. Seat manufacturers tomorrow. Seats are manufactured by a whole bunch of companies, and there's a bunch of smaller companies that have become actually kind of big companies. Acro, Mirus has a new seat that they're launching with AirAsia. And even low-cost carriers are highly, highly customizing their seats and even putting USB power in it so I can charge my thing when I use it to connect to another thing. And there's a lot of stuff going on, but this is your first time at AX. This is like my fourth year, so I'm, I'm a bit jaded. I've seen things over and over. I've seen companies come and companies go, unfortunately. But what have you seen that's been your, that's
0: captured your attention? So the biggest thing for me that's captured my attention is all of the things that you don't think about that have to be on a plane, either for safety or just to make them fly, that are here because the people who buy these things are here. The people who buy twelve million, you know, screws that are the size of your thumbnail are here. And so the people that are selling twelve million, you know, <laughs> screws the size of your thumbnail are here too. And the things that you don't think about, like life vests. There's yes. a company that designs, manufactures and markets life vests. Or there's the company that makes the cargo nets that make sure that cargo doesn't shift. Emergency I mean, slides. Emergency slides. All sorts of things that life rafts. There's all sorts of things that you don't think about that are here. And there are also innovations to make those things work better. Again, one of the Crystal
1: Cabin finalists was another Airbus innovation to help prevent the accidental deployment of emergency slides on the ramp. It's a simple little thing, just kind of a a sensor that detects unusual motion by the door if it's still armed. And if someone goes to accidentally open that door and this giant slide comes out, it sets off an alarm to try to prevent that because that causes delays. It's very expensive. It could cause serious injury. When that thing deploys accidentally into a jet bridge, that's not good. So it's simple things like that, that kind of, you don't expect to see it, but you see it.
0: The other thing that was was pretty neat, and you, I think, should go see it, is the Hutchinson Aerospace has a mock-up of an A350 flight deck without the outer skin on. So everything that's under the outer skin of the aircraft before they install the Make avionics and the electronics. So we're talking about the molded panels, the air hoses and things like that. And we posted a picture on Twitter and on Facebook so you can go to the the Flight Radar 24 Facebook and Twitter to see a photo of that and we'll post some in the show notes too. But it's really interesting to see how all of that comes together and how that is made. And molded and formed and, and put together so that it can go and ship out. And the model that they brought is actually going to be turned into a production A350. So we asked which which serial number it's going to be a part of, but they didn't have those answers oh. for us. So we're going to try and find out, and then we'll know when we see it flying in. That's you know, the few one we months. Saw. That's that's in, the one we saw in the convention center in Hamburg.
1: Actually, there was another cool thing. This actually won a Crystal Cabin Award last night. An innovation from Recaro and. God, Airbus again. Sorry, Boeing, but Airbus. I guess it's their hometown here. Think is just across the river, where a lot of these airplanes are manufactured. So there's a lot of a lot of aerospace innovation coming out of Hamburg. But there's this new thing from Ricardo and Airbus called the smart cabin reconfiguration. Did you have a chance to see this? So I haven't seen it yet, but I was had a chance to watch the video. So in Europe, a lot of aircraft have a phony business class where it's really just economy with a blocked middle seat and in most cases you don't even get increased seat pitch. This allows an airline to adjust the pitch, not to say on the fly, but very quickly that the seats are on a modified rail where you can take off the seat cushion, pull a lever and move the seats accordingly. So you can go from 30 inches of pitch to 32. And what you do is basically you close a row of seats that might be just in front of the exit row. You fold them up. And you move all the seats that are in front of that back an inch or two, and it lets in an airline dynamically adjust the pitch or how many rows have better legroom by demand instead of having a fixed amount that they can really never change without having to bring it into a hangar and manually readjust all these seats. You should go check that out. It's really easy
0: yeah, so I mean it really what it does is it allows airlines to if we've sold you know ten euro business seats we now have 3 rows and we can move in and sell more more seats in the back or i mean it, the other option is it, it provides passengers with reduced mobility the option to have enough room for seating
1: Yeah, I mean, you're less convinced on that. It's not the kind of thing you're going to do flight by flight. It's the kind of thing that you'll set for maybe a season or or a specific route if you're dedicating an aircraft. It's fair. I mean, potentially, yeah. It doesn't take very long. You fold up a row, you lift up a thing, and you pull a lever and you redistribute the rows. So potentially, yeah, you could, or you could just put them in the exit row where they have already a set very good amount of pitch, which is where I like to fly. But also from Recaro, they have this really cool headrest that. They've attached to their base model seats. And actually, I want to talk about this for a little bit. Recaro has really impressed me with the level of modification you can apply to their baseline seats that if you've flown Lufthansa, you've seen the bare model Recaro seat. It looks like a lawn chair. There's not much padding. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world. That was one of the earliest slimline seats. But since then, the level of customization you can do to these seats is kind of stunning. If you want a power outlet, you could put that on the front or you could put it on the bottom or you can put it on the back. If you want a USB port, you can put that in the armrest or in the back. If you want a tablet holder or if you want a phone holder, you can make do a combination of that. There's a headrest that comes in on the sides and on the bottom on the top. Also moves up and down for comfort. It's really almost become a, a renaissance of economy seats to make them actually more comfortable after kind of bottoming it out over the last couple of years.
0: So is this an industry trend? Is it this is. something
1: that just one company is doing or? No, it's, it's everyone. Look, there's been a lot of consolidation in the seating market where you have the big guys left, the, the BE Aerospace, Recaro. But last year we saw really a big number of new seating manufacturers come out. Lift by Aero is working directly with Boeing to make a seat design specifically for the 737 and 787 rather than designing a seat and then modifying it to fit on an aircraft. Mirus had an order from AirAsia for thousands and thousands of seats as their first order. Who else do we have? Acro. I flew on an Acro seat last year on a KLM Fucker 70, which was an amazing flight. I think they retired those in October of this year. So fly that while you still can. But there's a lot of innovation from smaller companies, which has forced the bigger companies to up their game and it's working.
0: Jason and I made it down to the floor, and we're inside the GoGo booth, and we're here talking with Blake Boynton about some new announcements that Jason will explain.
1: Thank you, Ian. So, every year at this show, we see a lot of products that never actually become reality. We see a lot of products that are announced they'll be available in the future, and then product announcements say this thing is actually available and ready to be installed. GOGO 2KU is something that's been out there flying around, I've flown on it personally several times, but there's been an announcement from GOGO that it will be available line fit for Airbus aircraft, and we are here to find out what exactly that means. Explain to me a little bit about what that announcement is real quick. What is line fit offerability? Yeah, so big announcement for GOGO. Line fit offerability simply means that an airline can take delivery of an aircraft with GOGO 2KU installed at the factory. So it's a factory installable option. It allows the airline to take delivery of the aircraft without any type of downtime as the connectivity system would have to be installed if it was the case in a retrofit or in the aftermarket scenario. So with a retrofit, basically, if I'm an airline and I get an Airbus A350 and I want connectivity right now from GoGo, I have to take that aircraft, get delivery of it, fully kitted out with all my seats, all my monuments, the galleys, whatever, then I have to completely tear apart the aircraft to install a system. So what does this, does that change that? Yeah, so that mode of operation or delivery can be eliminated because the what the customer can do is just elect... GOGO 2KU is an option to be installed on the production line of the aircraft. So the aircraft delivers complete with its seats, with its galley, with its monuments, and with its connectivity system. So at the Airbus factory here, I guess across town in FinConverter, they will actually put the 2KU antenna, radome, equipment, antennas inside the aircraft, all on board, and then they're done. That's right. They'll put it all on board. They'll test it. They'll make sure it works, and they'll deliver it operational to the airline. Great.
0: Thanks so much. After we're done recording here, Jason, you're off to some more meetings, and then we're going to meet up later at the Hamburg Aviation booth. Oh, yeah. And we're going to meet our good friend, Lucas, and we're going to go off to the airport and tour Lufthansa Technik. Yes. And their customer experience center. My friends at Lufthansa Technik,
1: again, they have something in store for us. There's a big MRO facility here, maintenance, repair, and And overhaul. overhaul. Yes, MRO facility here where they have all sorts of fancy VIP aircraft, which we must not talk about. We cannot mention what aircraft you might see there. And last time I was there, there was a 747-300 from an
0: unspecified VIP customer. You don't see many of those around. And there's currently a 747-400 parked a in there. 300 just, is like the a unicorn. It is. These days, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I, I can't recall off the top of my head what we're doing there later. But we're going to an airport. We're going to an MRO facility. I'm happy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, when you tell an avgeek he gets to go to the airport and play around with planes that, you know, are under repair or they're adding, you know, a new engine or something like that. I think we'll have some good photos for you later. I mean, it's not Malta with Lufthansa technique, but I'll take Hamburg. You're happy to rub the Malta flight in, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, yes, okay. I am. Next time we're going to have him leave you there.
1: Mm, I'd be okay
0: with that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> That's not really punishment, is it? No, no, it's not. Not no. at all. We're going to go wander the floor for a little bit. We'll leave it there for now and see what else we can find. From the Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg, I'm Ian Pechnik. This is Jason Rabinowitz. And this has been Ab Talk, the Flight Radar 24 podcast. Okay,
1: bye. Off to my next appointment.